You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Ah, uh, Sprint Plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because they have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to uh, going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul! Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com/iPhone, or call 1-800 Sprint One today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29.17 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29.17 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18 month leases. Early termination results and full balance due. Exclusive tax subject to credit and third day activation restrictions apply. You're locked into Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin. From aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish, Heidi Hollis the Outlander, Outlander, Outlander. Welcome, welcome to my awesome Friday evening. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. So welcome to the show. Get comfortable. Put your feet up. Ah, take it all in. It feels almost like spring here in Chicago, but we're starting to get licks of winter once again. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to tell you guys what this show is about. It's about bringing outlandish and interesting topics to the forefront, from aliens, angels, ghosts, demons, holy encounters, shadow people to Bigfoot to the outlandish. I always say if it's weird, we're here, and now you are too, so it's all good. I feel comfortable. If you do not know who I am, when it comes to the outlandish from whatever, <laughs> personally, I'm someone who's been there, seen that, experienced it. Freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it, got over it, and now I'm hoping to help others do the same darn thing and understand this kooky, crazy world of ours. To learn more about me, go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com, to sound it out. And I'd also like to invite you to check out my paranormal comic strip called, what? <laughs> the TheOutlandersComic.com. You can find that here on Inception Radio and uh, I think it's funny. I-, I enjoy it anyways. And um, now... You guys already know I co-host on the Kevin Cook Show, right? But I also do UFO Headline News. So UFOHeadlineNews.com. There's a lot of .com going on. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, I'm never bored. Never. Not. Not. No. Uh-uh. I'm always having fun with this stuff. And you know what's fantastic about this network? There are so many ways to listen to it. We're trying to cram it down your throats. I don't know if you noticed, but. <laughs> the most popular, I think, is the Inception Radio Network app, which is IRN app. Well, you can just listen at any time, anything you want. And you could also just call a number. My parents like doing this way because they don't have to futz with anything as far as technology is concerned. You could landline it the whole way, 712-770-8888. And I also welcome you guys to call into the show. You could just dial at any time. I'm not afraid of you guys, but I know most of you do not listen to this show live, so a lot of people don't call during the live broadcast. That's okay, but it's 1-888-919-2355. You can always go on Skype and find Inception Radio Network, and MJ is sitting there just, like, waiting for your comments and questions. And if you go to the chat room, which is a live chat. I'll be over there in a minute. <laughs> IRNchat.com. You can post your questions all in caps so I can see it more easily. And uh, I'll do my best to address that to myself, whatever it is you're mentioning, or to the guest 
because that's just the way we roll. Isn't that cool? So guess what? You guys have demanded it, and I'm going to fulfill what you've been demanding. The Outlandish Corner. I'm going to do it today. We're going to have the first 30 minutes where I'm answering all your comments and questions and emails from all over the globe. And again, during this, I welcome phone calls while I'm doing these emails. So otherwise, I just go through the stream of emails, and it is a ton, let me tell you. You know what? I'm going to right now, I'm going to pop over to the chat room because I really should. <laughs> so I can see the looks on people's faces. Now they're not seeing faces on there. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> because there is somebody from this chat room who wrote an email tonight, and that's the first one I'm going to get to. Oh, boy, it's lively. I needed a swig. Okay, here we go. Holy smokes, there's a lot of stuff popping up. A lot of people. Okay, so anyways, let's get to these lovely emails. This first email says, hello, Heidi. Below are my encounters with that creep <laughs> called the hat man. Do you guys know who they're speaking of? I, I think I, I know. After reading your book, I bought back, it brought back those encounters. I have made a point to forget. There are four encounters, the third being this past November during an investigation. My hat man encounters encounter number one. Okay, here we go. Throughout all of my encounters growing up, there have been several that have had me wondering what the heck did I just see and was it real? Oh, and why me? Here are my three encounters with this entity called Hatman. My first encounter was in the summer of 94. I was in my teens then. I was home alone on a Saturday night watching television in the living room when all at once I heard footsteps upstairs. It was at this point I thought that someone had broken into the house. I got up and muted the TV and quietly made my way out of the living room and grabbed a baseball bat and slowly made my way up the stairs. I was scared because I thought to myself, what do I do when I confront this person? I got a very bad feeling as I checked all three bedrooms upstairs only to find no one was there. I checked everywhere. When I realized no one was there, I started to relax until I turned to leave the upstairs bedrooms and standing there blocking my path was the hat man. Oh, heck no. That's terrifying. I was frozen in fear. I could not move or speak. He was seven feet tall and wore a fedora hat with a jacket with coattails and boots. His eyes were red and no other features were present and he never spoke a word to me. Still, I was terrified, to say the least. He just stared at me for what seemed like forever until he finally turned and walked through the door. I followed, but he was gone before I came to the top of the stairs. I looked everywhere and not a trace of him. Little did I know I would have two more encounters with him and that death would soon follow. Throughout all of my encounters growing up, there have been several that have had me wondering what the, oh, it's repeating. How did I get a repeat? Okay, here we go. Second encounter with this creep was in the same year during the winter. It was in November. This time, I was woken up by something in my room. It was between 2 and 3 a.m. I was unable to move my body, and I was unable to speak. He was there at the foot of my bed, fedora hat, boots, and all. He stood there glaring at me with red eyes, never said a word to me, and at some point, after what seemed like forever, he just disappeared, and I was able to move. 
I jumped up and flipped on the light in my room, and I was alone. Needless to say, I did not sleep that night, and I kept it to myself. About a week later, my grandfather, who was bedridden and very ill, passed away. I was heartbroken, and at the same time, I did not make the connection until my third and final encounter with him. This third and final encounter with this creep was in August of 96. This time, he made an appearance several days before my grandmother passed away. Gosh, that sucks. I was home, though not alone, and saw high in my bedroom yet again. Okay, no words were uttered. He just stood there, staring at me, red eyes and all, complete with fedora, jacket, and boots. This time, he tipped his hat. What is with his tipping of the hat? I don't get it, but he does this. And I watched him walk through my bedroom door. I was unable to sleep and kept lights on in my room all night. One night, I was asked by my mother to bring over dinner she had made for my grandmother that evening. I made my way over and saw her bathroom door open. And after I greeted her, I heard nothing. No reply. My heart sank. I was hit with a really bad feeling and forced myself to run over to the bathroom. I found her unresponsive on the floor between the toilet and bathtub. Oh, my goodness. I was hysterical and called my mother to tell her that I found Grandma passed out and unresponsive. While I waited for her and Dad to get there, I tried to calm myself down. The ambulance took her to the hospital en route. They brought her back, but she died before they made it there. Soon after, I started to connect the dots with both deaths and the hat man. It all clicked. These encounters were a warning of what was to come. I thankfully have had no more encounters with this creep, and I pray that I never have another one again. Something I wish on no one, because as far as I'm concerned, it was evil. That decided to rear its ugly head three times in my life. These are my encounters, raw and unedited. It still gives me chills thinking about it and brings back some of the most scariest things in my life to have happened to me. Oh, Hatman encounter number four took place this past November at an out-of-town investigation. The location I cannot say out of respect for the privacy of the family involved. I will call them the Smith family. We got there early in the evening when it had just gotten dark. There were six of us total to do the overnight investigation. As we were unloading, one of the investigators called my name. I walked over and asked, what's up? As this member is also psychic, he pointed to an upstairs window and said, do you see him? I looked up, and standing there was the hat man wearing the wide-brimmed hat and what clearly looked like a duster, and he had red eyes. We both felt pure evil from him. Ooh. When we were interviewing the clients, the husband said he saw the same thing we did around the property outside. He had been out there to head to his truck when he got a really bad feeling. He looked up and saw the hat man with red eyes. Same hat, a duster and boots. Creeped him out so bad he ran in the house and locked the door. All night long, we saw him in the house and outside of it. Wherever we were, he was. He switched hats, too. Get out of Dodge. <laughs> three of us saw him the whole time, and one of those three was the wife. The next day, we did a house blessing, and he was gone. Got home, and two nights later, I got scratched. Oh, no. Felt something behind me. Then the burning started. 
I turned to see a figure with a hat going down the hallway and was gone just like that. Oh, that bastard. Ooh. To date, I have seen him two more times since, and it chills me to the bone, knowing that via my history with this creep, this will not be my last time nor my last encounter with him. Oh, no. Jennifer. Oh, Jenny. Oh, that sucks. It makes me wonder... I mean, he left that house and came at you. You know, there is such a contagion factor to the hat man and the shadow people phenomenon. That is no, no lie. Um, you know, what's really weird, though, Jenny, with uh, what you mentioned here, him changing hats. I have never known him to swap hats in the middle of his messing room with people. You know, like, hmm, you know, I'm going to walk down the hall need a different hat. I'm just, I look out the window, I need the fedora. You know, that's weird. I, I have not heard that. This is the first. So how about that? That's pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, I have to say also, <sighs> something scared him up again in your life. I, I don't, I mean, it looks like it has to do with, um, you know, this, this, this house that you went to go and investigate. So whatever it is that you did to get rid of the that thing out of that house, you need to do it again to get rid of it in your house. But I don't like that he's scratched you. You know how that is, you know, especially if there's the three scratches that mocks the Trinity, as they say. And uh, it's like their way of entering you. I don't know what it is, but it just seems after the scratches hit, things just take a turn for the worse. So I know that you've got uh, – good friends and a, a good hubby because uh, I know this lady uh, that can help you out in uh, you know protecting yourself and helping you clear this this guy out of your life you've been pretty darn successful with everything else as far as the paranormal is concerned so I'm sure you will find the way to bless your home and toss him out on his hat and you know what take his hat throw his hat out make him go search for a new one I mean, screw this guy. God, I can't stand the hat man. Hat man sucks. He's really a horrible thing. Piece of crap. Anyways, um, <laughs> moving on to the, you know, Jennifer, thank you so much for, for writing. Uh, you had told me that your email was there, and I apologize. It took me a while to get through. I got a lot of emails. That was, a, that was pretty crazy. All right, moving on to the next email. All right, this person says, Dear Heidi, there are many things that change us and form or destroy us. This has destroyed a great deal of my life. Oh, no. I grew up in North Lake, Illinois, just south of O'Hare, about two miles. Oh, not far from there. The time frame is about 1983 or 1984, and I was 15 or 16. I had been playing softball on Hayes Drive with my brothers and some friends until approximately 7.30 or 8.30 p.m. I had a feeling like my neighbors were watching, but I saw nobody, and it wouldn't matter as we were fairly quiet. The game ended. And we walked into our home. Our home was a two-story, and I was on the second floor. I had been having trouble sleeping and felt like people were outside my window in the yard. I would look and find nobody down there, just our old pool deck and not much else. Occasionally, the neighborhood dogs, along with mine, would bark for no reason that I would could discern. Mine were in the house. A little background on me. I'm male, firstborn, and have RH negative blood. <laughs> I am the only RH negative in my family. Ooh, wow, that's different. I am not adopted. Okay. <laughs> oh, hold on, this next part. And my mother did not cheat on my father. Okay, all right. I wasn't going there. 
I wasn't going there. <laughs> I would have dreams as a child only to have them happen in the next day or so exactly as I previously saw it. It was an outcast. Oh, I was an outcast for the most part, and I had few friends. I had an odd way with animals and have had feral cats that didn't like anyone just come up to me. And we are a lot as if we are long lost buddies. Is this Kevin writing me? <laughs> Just kidding. That's Kevin Cook. Anyways, possums, squirrels, feral cats, and birds that are injured seem to find their way to me. And yes, I give them help. Back to that sleeping issue. I kept having issues of waking up suddenly feeling that I fell in my bed or on my bed. I doubted it. And I figured that one of those really loud O'Hare jet planes had startled me. I thought that until the evening that my bed came apart after the feeling of falling and hitting it. Oh, you're kidding me. The evening of that softball game, I went to bed, but had an intense fear that something was wrong. I went to sleep, but I felt cool air like a soft breeze blowing. I saw the tops of the trees and something else. I could look every direction and realize that I was in the air. Huh? I looked up at what appeared to me to be like four wheels, like of a Ferris wheel, and the lights that are on the outer edge of it. Three were in a triangle shape, one top, one lower right, and one left. The fourth was edge on to me. Oh, I don't understand. And directly in the middle, all appeared in the same shape. Something in my head was telling me, to look and I looked down and saw myself and others playing earlier but it felt odd because it felt as if something false was only words that I can use projected into my head in absolute detail and I felt it happening like a pressure and a light in my brain hmm. I felt a cool breeze and I am positive that I was awake those wheels or rings were spinning but they never lost the perfect symmetry from one another the distance remained perfect as if they were attached, but I saw no point of connection. The thoughts I felt were not mine. I could not comprehend the message it said to understand. I remember falling and then blackness. I hit that bed hard enough that I cracked the wood on its oak frame. I have not forgotten that object, nor the feelings and some memories that seem to be a fog that causes headaches if I try to remember too hard. I don't do well with people, but those wild animals still seem to like me. My neighbors call me St. Francis <laughs> when they see the animals by me. I do believe that it is something else. I just don't know what. Thank you. Please don't use my name. <laughs> I'm disclosing it. Okay. For your records only. Okay. Got it. All right. Wow. Um, you know, I have heard a lot of people that have had... Uh, alien encounters and, and whatnot. And when they try to remember what has taken place, they get extreme pain, like in a certain part of their head or whatever it is. And, and they can feel faint and then they don't want to look any further and they just kind of give up. Um, and you're like having this dream of looking down at the, if I'm following this right, sorry, it was a little bit sketchy to try to capture what it fully, what was going on. So you're having these real dreams of being up in the air and seeing like these spinning circles that seem like they were connected but not, and then feeling like you're being dropped. It, it makes me wonder if you were, because you broke your bed for crying out loud, makes me wonder if you were actually 
you know, people have these abductions and they are pulled through the wall. So I wonder if you indeed were pulled up and dropped back through. I don't know how they disassemble people to be able to make use of those spaces between the atoms in our bodies, but somehow these things are interdimensional and are able to yank us in such a way and drop us. I, I have personally had such a thing where I have, <laughs> have had, I thought were out-of-body experiences, but boom, back onto the bed, and it's a big drop. Like, ow, that hurt. I didn't see aliens or UFOs or anything like that, but I can imagine that, you know, something like this really changes a person's perspective on the world when it just doesn't fit with anything. It just absolutely doesn't fit. So how do you, how do you turn to anyone and decipher what is going on? You know, so I get it. I understand. And it's a shame, you know, a lot of people have these types of experiences and they're like, it destroyed my life. I am so worried about it because something crazy happened to me. I just can't put my finger on it. Can you help me figure it out? You know, sometimes it's best to leave things alone because I have seen people who have retrieved the memories that they were dying to know about only to regret it because the things that they recall, the things that they remembered, just disturbing, highly disturbing. It does sound alien to me, um, interdimensional, perhaps. Uh, I mean, but I think those are related anyhow. What they were doing to you is uh, a mystery. It doesn't sound like it's something that has continued to happen in your life. You're you're very fortunate for that because, um, let me tell you, it, it is no picnic for the people that I have met and known that have gone through this. So what it was, it sounds very alien. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it's something you want to dig further into, but do your best not to allow it to take control of your life because uh, I, too many people, they just don't live their lives fully because they're so stressed about something they experience and they don't have answers to. And, and you know, you ever meet somebody that you just can't resolve problems with? It's kind of like that. We just got to let it go and uh, sing the Frozen song, you know, honestly. All right. I'm going to try to squeeze in on the last one here. Let me see if I can find one. Oh, my gosh. These are big ones. All right. So this is the smallest one I could find because we only got a few minutes. Uh, Yes. Okay. We do. (laughs) All right. This person is saying, I wanted to share. Oh, hi, Heidi. I wanted to share my story of the shadows with you. I'm now 30 years old, and I'm lucky not to have seen the little shadow crawlers or the shadowy man with a hat in a long time. Oh, but you have. Since I moved from my old home from West Islip, New York, okay, (laughs) my house was on the outskirts of an Indian burial ground, which is why Route 231 almost wasn't built where it was. One night, I let out the dogs and went back inside. I heard a yelp and then furious barking. My one jumped up on the screen door just as I opened the inner door. It scared me half to death. I opened the screen, and my one dog flew inside and ran down the hall to then start barking in my room. I was maybe 15 at the time. My other dog wouldn't come in. I felt weird feeling like I was being watched and walked out on the deck in my nightgown. That's when I saw the man in the hat. I thought he was a cowboy or something like that. Long coat, and I couldn't see his eyes. My dogs kept barking, and I can remember thinking to myself that they might wake the neighbors. My parents were not home. I walked further and came to the steps to go to the yard and yell for my dog to come in. Finally, he began to come to the house, but stopped when the shadow man 
lean on my little three-foot chain fence that surrounded the back of my yard. The dog instead started going crazy and howling. The dog outside yelped and ran up the stairs. I remember barking, uh, backing up across the deck, calling my dog to follow. And when I got him in, all the howling from inside stopped. I looked out the window but didn't see the man anymore. Besides my dreams, which I don't know if that was one or not, I haven't seen the shadow man with the hat again. The shadow crawlers, however, I have seen since. But they don't frighten me like they used to. As long as I don't see the hat man again, I will be fine. <laughs> Trust me, I understand. That guy sucks. Um, you know, you guys notice this pattern. People get that feeling of being watched. They they worry. I, I mean, the, the, the previous email, the guy was just like, you know, I was I was scared to go to bed. I mean, it's just we have that instinct to know when we're being hunted. It's a natural instinct that we're born with, you know, to run, to prepare, to get out of the way of whatever is coming our way. That is always so surprising and so amazing to me how often I get letters like that and, and how they, they figure out that they're on somebody's menu. And I say menu because this guy likes to devour souls, just plain and simple, because that's just what he does. Um, <laughs> you know, but check this out. Okay, so shadow people, they suck, okay? Hatman sucks a whole lot more. This person's like, look, I can handle shadow crawlers. Not sure what those are. I'm sure they're probably like the shadow spiders. They kind of look like octopus or something <laughs> crawling around, messing with people. Not cool. But uh, Hatman takes the cake on all that is evil. You see him once and you dread ever the thought of seeing him again. So I'm glad that you haven't had that. But yeah, he comes in nightmares. He tries to weaken you to try to get into you and get access to you once again. So keep your guard up, keep your prayers up, and keep on fighting. I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for writing me. And I want to welcome anyone to write me who has any experiences or comments that they'd like to share and to get some level-headed advice to Outlander at gmail.com and I will do my best I do tend to get to everybody's emails eventually it takes some time it takes some times but uh, you know it, it's 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 a process so once again thank you for that you guys you are listening to me Heidi Hollis the Outlander and we will be right back with our guest Outlander remembering always if it's weird we're here we're giving you advice and insight on outlandish topics Phone lines are always open, but I know most of you guys listen to this show after the fact of it being a live broadcast. But that number, 1-888-919-2355. And I'm going to officially now introduce the guest for tonight is L. Sydney Fisher, who is a number one Amazon best-selling author of several books. Her desire for knowledge launched a curiosity into the world of the supernatural and unexplained that has spanned a lifetime. Sydney lives on a haunted landscape with the spirit of a white wolf and at least one ghost that shares what was once a Native American village in Northeast Mississippi. You can find her on the web at lsydneyfisher.com. Everybody, round of applause for L. Sydney Fisher. Hey, Sydney, how are you? <laughs> hey there. Hey there, Heidi. How's life? Life is spooky, always. <laughs> I love it. it. You're cracking me up during the break. I did not realize the extreme weather changes that go on where you live. 
That is nuts. You got to share that real quick. What what did you tell your friend to bring to wear? Listen, if that is if that is not paranormal, I don't know what is. So I live so I live in Northeast Mississippi, and I have a friend from um, Minnesota, and so she was uh, going to be traveling to the deep south, and she sent me an email, and she says, "So what type of clothing should I bring?" And I thought, "Oh my gosh, seriously." And so I emailed her back and I said, you should probably pack a snowsuit and a bikini. <laughs> and what was the weather? What's this, this shift? I mean, that is crazy what you have so to this, do with. So this is the truth. This is the truth. This morning I went outside um, and it was about 70 degrees. I mean, it, it could have been 65. I may be stretching it, but it was icky. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, by tonight, by later on this afternoon, uh, went back out and it, I was just freezing. And so it's around, it was dropped to about 30 degrees. And so we're all bundled oh. up. And I mean, just within just a few hours. Uh. You know, oh, yeah. And that happens in the South. That's why that it, it's just it, the weather here is like a schizophrenic. Uh, it is just. <laughs> You should give it a name like Francine or something. I don't know. You absolutely have to be. If that is not paranormal and you're living in the South, but that is the truth. So you have to have, you know, a closet full of summer clothes that you will wear them sometimes in January. You will have on. Last week I had on flip-flops and shorts. (laughs) Mm. because it just got too hot i was running my air conditioner in my house um a few hours uh, ago like yesterday last night i had my air on for a little while because it was a little stuffy Mm -hmm. tonight i have my heater going good lord i i mean it it needs a name frank it needs a name you know damien Damien something I don't know so let's get on down into you know gosh you've got an interesting background I I found you (laughs) I was like hold on this lady's different so you write fictional supernatural stuff and you delve into true supernatural stuff so how on earth I mean so how does that work yeah, how does that work for you? How so, you so, so this is how this works. As far as my books are concerned, all of my books, and, and you can find a listing of those, of course, on Amazon at L. Sydney, uh, under L. Sydney Fisher or lsydneyfisher.com, but all of those books that, that I write are inspired by true events or true stories. Um, you know, some of the names, I mean, I have changed to protect, you know, the people that are still living um, occasionally I will have to, and I always have uh, a disclosure there in the front of the books, depending on uh, what particular project it is. And, and I will say, you know, that some of the scenes or whatever in the story may have been dramatized for the sake of sort storytelling. Um, the book, though, the very first debut, debut book, which was The Haunting of Natalie Bradford, that book is almost 90% word for word as that happened. Wow. Um, that is, uh, I mean, it is very authentic to exactly the way that that uh, occurred. Um, it's a very intriguing story, always has been to me. Um, and then, of course, there is. But now I will tell you 
the, you know, I don't just write about ghosts, even though I, I love that and I gravitate toward that probably more than anything else is, you know, in the supernatural realm. But, you know, all my life I have studied psychic phenomena. Um, you know, there's a, there is a, um, a military operation that went on during, even started in 1975, actually, but it ended in 19, in the 1990s, 1995, under the Clinton mm-hmm. administration. And that was the Stargate program. And the book that, uh, my character, Seth Phoenix, the book series that I wrote, um, about Seth, Seth Phoenix in that series is the Phoenix series. The very first one was the Phoenix Mission. But a lot of that material, that is a fictional... You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Ah, uh, Sprint plus... Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna... Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because... They have an all-glass design, advanced cameras... I'm going to... Uh... Going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul! Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance. Two exclusive stacks subject to credit and third activation. Restrictions apply character it is a fictional story but so much of every scene in that book the way i set up the remote viewing labs um some of the information that you get some of the characters there were real life conversations real life things real life scenes that were taking place during that time so even though you're sitting here and you're reading the and it's one of my favorites in fact it's so funny you know that you're doing fun stuff when you pull your own book off your bookshelf and say, you know, I really enjoyed that. I ain't going to read that. And I'm did, going, did, I, <laughs> did I write this? You know, I do the same sometimes. Every once in a while, I'll it's, flick through it. And I'm like, oh, this isn't is so that bad. Not, is that not hilarious? I pulled yeah. my, own, my own project <laughs> off the bookshelf the other day, and I went, you know, yeah. I think I've got to read the Phoenix series again because that was just <laughs> so freaking cool. But it was the ne- it was the most difficult for me to write. But I researched hmm. it for about two to three years, and uh, the Phoenix Missions, the first book, the Phoenix Codes is the second. Um, added a little bit of additional research and stuff uh, when I could, you know, put the two together in the Phoenix series, the complete book that you can get. Uh, but it's it just I still I still will go back to that project sometimes, and I'm just thinking, wow, you know, our military was involved in this type of research, um, and many people believe they still are. Oh, so, of course. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Anything that anything that works, they're not giving it up. They'll officially close it, but they don't give it up. Come I on, know. if it, if that thing was working, so you're you're so why why just do fiction then? Why why didn't you do some true? Well, well, as far as, well, you know, when you do true, as far as that particular project, um, you know, it was when I did that and when I created Seth Phoenix. It was easier for me to control how I wanted this to go. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was fun for me as well, Heidi, because it you know it became a project that it's tiring. You think about the hours and the months and the things that I've spent researching something, and even the years because of the background that I already had in my knowledge of remote viewing and clairvoyance and those abilities. 
Um, and so when I got into setting this story up and I thought, you know, I really, I really want to highlight the way that this stuff works. And the best way to do that is to make something entertaining, an entertaining read for them, but where they actually can feel like that they are, you know, they're there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it just became, you know, I'll still, like I said, I'll still pull this project out. I have the book. I'm looking at it right now, sitting uh, near my desk. And I'm thinking, that is so funny. You know, I'm going, let me go get that book. But there's another book that, that I wrote that is, um, it, this is called Creative Nonfiction. And it, what this means is, for folks that don't really know exactly what is creative nonfiction, it means that the book has all the elements of a fiction piece. In other words, you know, it's the plot and it's the theme and it's the way it's set up. Um, but it is based on a true story. But it allows the writer to be able to be creative and it allows you a little bit of ability to, you know, for the sake of storytelling, as they say. My book, See No Evil, is based on a 20th century clairvoyant. He was called the Mississippi Mystic. Have you ever heard of oh. Edgar? Have you ever heard of Edgar Casey? The oh, Sleeping of course. Prophet? Yes. Okay. Edgar Casey, if you get that book, See No Evil, you will you'll see where I did some research on the two of those men and it just absolutely will blow you away when you realize how many synchronicities, how many parallels that the two of them had in their lives. Hmm. And there is a part in that book where I actually say a part of me kind of believes that those two men were either maybe should have crossed paths at some time in their life, mm-hmm. or maybe they heard of each other because they both were doing, you know, Casey was from Kentucky. Um, Seymour Prater was from Mississippi, even though he spent time out in Texas as a detective. But the two of them were living in an Alabama town just 70 miles apart. And they were renowned across the southeast for their abilities. So it just makes me wonder if they ever knew of each other. And Seymour Prater was as gifted, although he was a clairvoyant and he could actually, he could actually see, um, you know, find lost people, find lost objects, help find missing wow. children. It's, he is a phenomenal study. I'd never heard of this person. That is amazing. That is exactly right. Nobody, and this is is how this happened. I actually had just finished up The Haunting of Natalie Bradford, and that case I've known about it forever. Hmm. Um, So I, I had finished that up and was on a book tour and was actually at a library a library close by here in North Mississippi. And after that, my presentation, the librarian followed me out the door and she says, you know, Sydney, there's something that I'd like to tell you about. Maybe you might want to look into this story about this man that I know from Pontotoc, Mississippi, who was this. And so I said, oh, well, yeah, that sounds interesting. Well, I, I'm really busy for a while, but maybe I'll get to come back. Fast forward a couple of years, actually, and I had gotten myself through with some other book projects, and I could not get this off of my mind. 
and mm. don't know why, but it was so strange. It was like something, you know, the divine talks to you and kept giving me a nudge. You need to call that librarian back. You need to call her back. And it, the voice got so loud to where I finally <laughs> called her and I said, can I come over and will you go and pull those files that you were telling me about, the newspaper clippings or whatever, and I'll take a look at it. So I get over there thinking, oh, it's just going to be, you know, a few pieces or whatever. <laughs> right, it's not going right. to be much, and you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm very picky about what I look for in a book project and if it actually is something that I feel like needs to be between the pages of a book, needs to be told. So I sat down and, oh, my gosh, she brings something out that's probably seven, eight inches thick. Whoa, come on now. Couldn't oh. believe it. Of all this, <laughs> all these that had been kept from forever. And I said, oh, my goodness. So I <laughs> sat down with it and I told her, I said, oh, I didn't realize. So I sat down with it and I knew what I was looking for. I started flipping through and I'm going, aha, uh aha, -huh, uh -huh, that's great. This is interesting, but I knew I needed something that just stood out about this man, something <laughs> phenomenal. I needed, I was looking for one particular thing. I wanted to know if he had blue eyes, but there oh, was, wow. a, but there was a problem. The only way to find out if this man had blue eyes, because he died on his birthday in 1945. And the pictures of him were black and white. Oh, I see. But when I was flipping through some of the true accounts and some of his family members that were telling things, and, and I flipped and flipped, I found where his daughter, within five minutes, I flipped and found where his daughter, and it stood out on the page. It stood out that she said, uh, Papa could always tell when I was lying because he would look at me with those blue eyes. Ah, wow. Ah. So now you're wondering what it is about the blue eyes. Yes, aren't of you? course. <laughs> okay, so you've studied the Stargate program. A bit. Not, not a, bit. a ton, but yeah. It's but, but you're familiar, but you're familiar yes. with it. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. You're familiar the, with the, the, the fact that there were four or five remote viewers that mm -hmm. were you know, specific, or those are the ones that we know of anyway, that they were, that were really to, good. Yeah. yeah or, <laughs> right. And that they were, well, they were willing to tell us their names, in other words. Yes. Well, here is some research that I did on people who seem to have uh, special clairvoyant abilities or mediums, mediums and psychics and things like this. When I was doing some research into this for during the Phoenix Project, I found that there seems to be a parallel between people having blue eyes. Also, people who have psychic abilities, sometimes, you know, it is hereditary. We know that. Yes. Um, usually passed down. Sometimes it skips a generation. Sometimes it just, it's just there. You're just lucky and it just keeps getting passed. Right. Um. The other thing that has been found that's interesting is that a lot of people are ambidextrous. Mm. Um, they, they're using both sides of their brain. But people who are especially gifted, um, 
when they're when you do an, a CAT scan or an MRI on the brain, they found that there is a, it looks like a rope, but it connects called the longitudinal fissure, mm-hmm. and it it connects the two hemispheres of the brain, the right and the left. But in people who are extremely gifted, theirs tends to be enlarged. Wow. So I found this very interesting. And Seymour Prater, as the, the Mississippi mystic, as I started to research him, family members started coming forward when they found out through the grapevine that I was doing all this research on him. And I started learning all types of things about this man's past. And it was just like, yep, he was absolutely pegged, you know, to have this extraordinary gift. It just, his story yeah his story was too you know it was it's it's, there's no such thing as coincidence i mean he was absolutely um who he was for for a purpose but when i got to doing the the rest of the research on the blue eyes here's what i found and i have these pictures here you can't see me but i am but i am looking at them and this is something that I do when I go and I do presentations and talk and stuff. I, I do sometimes talk about the Phoenix series and, and tell people, remember um, Joseph Magnon Eagle. Can't, I don't know if I just butchered his last name, <laughs> okay. but he was, he was remote viewer 1001. He had blue eyes. Um, the okay. other, the other, Liam Buchanan, blue eyes. Uh, the only one that I was not able, let's see, Ingo, uh, I believe his name Swan. Was Swan. Swan. That's right. Mm-hmm. Blue eyes. Uh, the only one I wasn't able to um, to determine or whatever uh, to find out for sure was David Morehouse. Could not could not verify him. Okay. Um, I could not verify him, but the others I was able to. Some other people that I found in my research who claim to have those specific type of gifts, uh, one of them is um, the medium. Now, Edgar Casey had blue eyes. So did okay. Seymour Prater. Yep, Edgar Casey had blue eyes. David Wilcox, the author of the Synchronicity books, um, and I've read them. They're absolutely awesome, his books on synchronicity. He's got one in particular that I really, really like. But he also uh, is a gifted medium, I believe, and he has blue eyes. Uh, Hmm. James Van Prague, blue eyes. But here's the one that really stood out. Do you remember, which I'm older than you, but back in the day, 20 years ago probably, um, there was a lady that every Sunday we could pick up the paper. Well, it was every day. But I remember on Sunday specifically, it'd give your, your horoscope for the week. She was oh. a very, she was a very renowned astrologer during the 20th century. And, um, this isn't uh, Nancy Reagan's lady, is it? <laughs> probably, probably so. Huh. But, but she actually, um, she had a dream. Uh, one night and the next morning she got up and she phoned the White House and she begged um, John F. Kennedy not to go to Dallas. Come on. Nope. Swear. Promise. Wow. Google it. it. This lady's name was Jean Dixon. And if you look. Oh, I've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. If you look her up on the internet, 
you will find her. She is a an attractive, red-headed, blue-eyed lady. So, you know, I kept seeing all these parallels, and then I found this other, some other research on a book called The Children of Now, and it's talking about the alien connection. And I heard yes. you talking about some UFO stuff. Yeah. They're called star children, and those children tend to have light-colored eyes as well. So that was just, it's really, it's really fascinating. Now, does that mean that a brown-eyed person doesn't have psychic abilities? Well, no. But it's interesting enough, and it happens enough that it's, you know, it's something to, to study. It's something yeah. to take into account. That's interesting to, to pull those parallels together. It's like, you know, you, you wonder, you know, is there is there something that, ties that in somehow it's really it's really interesting you know yeah. uh, blue eyes are, are it's a uh, it's a uh, recessive gene from you know anyway supposedly it's a recessive gene so oh, very interesting my, uh-huh. my sister thinks she's special because she's got green eyes we don't think she is <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, green, eye, green eyes you know is only two percent of the population you know so anyhow yeah. I told her we should just corner them all and they could all live together then since they're so rare. Yeah, she's one of those. But anyways, you know, I, I find it, uh, you know, it's you. I could hear the passion in your voice for this stuff. Like, this is just in you. I mean, it, did something happen to you when you were younger that just said, I really want to learn more about this? What sparked you know, your interest? It, it is so funny, you know, and, and, and I actually have been thinking the same thing. I've been thinking about this lately. Um, I've always told people, you know, when they've asked me, you know, what got you interested in the paranormal or, or you know, I tell people all the time, we are not born believing in the paranormal. You know, as a child, you don't just decide, oh, I believe in ghosts. It's always from some sort of experience. Our life right. experiences shape us into the adults that we are. Um, from the time I was around eight years old, um, you know, that's when I had my very first experience at Lindenwood. Lindenwood was the mansion that I wrote about in uh, the book, The Haunting of Natalie Bradford. Um, I knew the, the Bradfords and um, spent time there. And um, that's where it first happened for me. Now, once that door is opened, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you just, um, it changes you. It is a transformative experience, regardless of how old you are at the time that it happens. And it becomes a curiosity, or it did for me personally. And so, you know, my summers were spent while the other kids might be at the library, you know, checking out books, uh, Amelia Badia books or, or whatever. I'm, I'm over there in the new age section looking at psychic phenomena books, um, ghost tales, even some witchcraft type stuff. I just Hmm. absolutely was drawn to this for some reason. To me, it was, it was magical. And it was mysterious and, and, you know, and I grew up on Agatha Christie. I, I loved her books. Of course, they were mysteries. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, even lately, I have, um, I have been considering, I've always been one of these people, even though people think this is strange, I know, if, if, you, if you believe in the paranormal and the afterlife and all this, how can you be on the fence about reincarnation? But, hmm. I've al- but I've always been on the fence about reincarnation. 
Really? Um, oh, that's interesting. I, I've always been on the, I'll, you know, I've always kind of been on the fence about it because I'm thinking, so what is the, I'm trying to, I'm trying to logically reconcile this in my mind. <laughs> wow. Now, man. what is the point of me being, coming back into another body and I can't remember anything before? It's to test you to see if the insides of you are truly as good as uh, <laughs> supposed to be without recalling the punishment that's coming in the afterlife. Oh my God! And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking when I've been told that, oh, how yeah, cruel! Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to go to our next break. You guys are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, and we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, and we are speaking with Sydney L. Sydney Fisher. And how do you spell out your website so people will know how to get a hold of your books and to learn more about you? Uh, you can find my books at L. Sydney Fisher. That's uh, uh, you know an L and then the S Y D. N-E-Y, and then Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R.com. Awesome. And, you know, you're talking about reincarnation just before we went to break. And I have to say, you know, I remember there being something in the Bible that uh, Jesus or, no, no, no. It was Peter or somebody. I'm so terrible. But it said that you didn't recognize me. I was, uh, you know, John the Baptist uh, or or something. God, somebody's going to help me out in this one somewhere. But, like, oh, you didn't recognize me. I was John uh, the Baptist, and I'm now so-and-so or something. Like, there's mentionings in the Bible about reincarnation. Yeah, I I remember that. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist was was referring, and he was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, referring to himself as Elijah. Okay, yes, that was that, Um, yeah. See, reincarnation. See, I knew you. somebody I know, would help me out. <laughs> I know it, and that's so funny. But, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, all these years I've been on the fence. But now let mm-hmm. me tell you where I am. I'm getting to the point now to where it, it's something. I had this defining moment the other day. Okay. And um, I was going, why have I always felt a connection to the Victorian era? Now, I realize all of you are saying, well, duh. That's because it was the age of spiritualism. Okay. Besides that, you know, even as a kid, I used to always say, you know, I swear I was that lady that was had those beautiful dresses on and I had this big hat, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I was so frou-fou-ish and all that. And I just saw myself back then. And for years and years, I have felt like that I was waiting on something, that I am supposed to reconnect with someone. And so in, in my mind, I have recre- I've created this story. It, it, it has to be my soulmate, you know. Ha ha, that's supposed to be a funny. Uh, because I haven't met him. And so uh, somehow something happened and he got lost along the way. But in the, in the meantime, though, in all seriousness, seriousness, mm-hmm. um, the Victorian era was the age of spiritualism. And I thought, you know what? You know, for all my life, I have had, um, I have felt like that I crossed over into, you know, was born in uh, this time period. But uh, why have I always been so attracted to the history and just everything about um, the 19th century? 
it's like I just can't get enough of it. And I still do that. Wow. I'm, a, I'm a history geek. I, listen, next week I'm going to ghost country in very south Mississippi on the corner with uh, Louisiana. So I'm real excited about that because there is a ton of... Uh, it's known as a ghost town. I mean, they oh, just fully... I have heard oh, it yeah. is really loaded. I have oh. to tell you this because, see, I knew someone in chat. My buddy Russ says, this is why I got confused about that quote. Uh, Jesus is the one that said John the Baptist was Elijah. So right. there it is. That's what it was. I'm like, I knew it. there's something with Jesus. and But, yeah, okay. So, okay, I just, sorry, I had, had to interject that. You know, you, my dad's from Georgia, and boy, superstitions, religious folks it's, down there. How yes, on earth it's do so you cool. function as being who you are, having the background that you do and the books that you write? How how have your friends and family and neighbors well, taken this in? Well, now, and I know what you're thinking, and, and, and some of you are right, and you're thinking that, you know, this is... The, the South, this is the, the Bible Belt, this is the, what, you know, not everybody does embrace that, but you would be surprised. Mm-hmm. You would the, be very surprised. Minds, minds are opening across the board well, and around the world, I'm finding. Well, they yes. are, they are, that's for sure. But, you know, even, look, you, you find all types of people, no matter where you go. So you you do have to be careful who you share your crazy with, and I say that completely lovingly. <laughs> you know, completely, you know. Completely I tell lovingly. people don't let your crazy show too much. <laughs> <laughs> but look, but look, I can totally share my crazy with Heidi. Yeah, of because course. Because on your friends. show, exactly. <laughs> because we are from the same tribe. Of course. When you're from the same tribe and you're with like-minded people and stuff. You know, just yesterday I was uh, speaking to a man who was a skeptic and he was just, you know, he says, so what were y'all doing last weekend? I said, we went to uh, a house and investigated a home. We stayed at a haunted bed and breakfast. It was just absolutely amazing. Oh, my God. And he, you know, shouted, you know, he interjected a couple of obscenities that are always funny Mm. when when you're talking to a skeptic. And I just said, seriously, it was a lot of fun. It really was. So did you get anything? (laughs) I just don't believe all of that BS and blah, blah. And I said, you know what? I said, you don't have to. You absolutely do not have to believe any of it. But when you go to this and I said, look, don't take my word for it. Do not take my word for anything that I'm telling you. I'm inviting you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. That's what you should do anyway if you have a curiosity about it. And I said, but I'm going to tell you this. If you want to come along on a ghost hunt or an investigation that I do, and I take another person with me who has become a very good friend of mine, and she is a very gifted clairvoyant, she and I don't use a lot of equipment. Sometimes we'll take some equipment, you know, um, the spirit box that she has, and I'll take an EMF, you know, uh, detector and things like that that are not cumbersome to travel mm-hmm. with. And so we'll take those things and use that. But a lot of times we use, we rely on our own abilities to walk into a room and pick up on the energy there, whether it's residual or whether it is an intelligent haunting. And I told him, I said, if you're going to come along on something like this, the only thing that I ask you to do is to leave everything that you've been taught, 
your entire life behind. Leave it at the front door when you come in because you and, and know. And say what, your prayers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, say your prayers. But I said, you know what you know because you've been taught that by people who their parents taught them. Of course. And I said, so you, you need to just come with an open mind. And then we'll do our thing, and then you you decide, you know. Right. And what's it was one of the, what's one of the strangest things that you come across when you've done some of this stuff and research? Well, I, I will tell you, last summer was the worst. Last summer was the scariest thing that I encountered when I actually had my firsthand experience with a shadow person, and I, you know, I've Uh-oh. heard of oh yeah, <laughs> I've heard of shadow people, but this particular um, place. Is, is not, and, and I say infested. That word infested means you think of a, you know, a pest control, <laughs> termites and things. You, you can say colonized like they moved in. How about that? Oh, it's unreal. <laughs> it, is, it is unreal. And I actually, that, that story, when I was doing that, that uh, research, that story is in volume two of the Haunted series um, that came out last fall. But I had my first encounter with a shadow person, and the horrible thing is the owner of the property, they don't live there anymore. They moved, and it's vacant right now. But the the owner of the property actually sent me some audio um, of a professional paranormal investigation that was done by TAPS of Alabama. And, um, oh, my God, it's so disturbing. And then um, also sent me a couple of pictures of images that they caught. Now, I have never seen a real-life picture of a evil entity. It's face. Yeah. Saw it. No. No, no, no doubt about it. Still have the picture. Could send mm. it to you. Uh-huh. I'd um, love to see it. Oh, yeah. Can send it to you. But cool. you, you need... you Seriously... If you if you visited this place, it took me three days to get rid of that horrible, wretched feeling. Um, and even the, it was it was such a sad. It's a sad has a sad history at this place. There was a murder mm. there, and then there was a, a horrible, a horrible murder, and and then a horrible suicide. Horrible. Ugh. Worst imaginable Terrible. things that you can think of. So it already had a lot of negative energy attached to it to begin with. But um, the owner will ask me if if I take you back there and, and open the house and let you go in, will you go inside? I said, no, ma'am, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh-uh. <laughs> no. And, you know, and, and, and just as nice as I could be, but I, I said, I don't, I don't, there's nothing else that I need to get from there in order to be convinced I mean, I was convinced from the minute that I stepped out of my vehicle and stepped onto the grounds. I could see wow. the, I could see the woman that was looking at me outside the front window, the the wow. sidelight by the front door. Oh yes, huge big eyes, um, and it was so scary because later, whenever, you know, I told them what I saw. I mean, as we were typing. This is what authenticated what I was seeing because we were both on Messenger at the same time. And she was typing to me, telling me what her son had witnessed while... You're Paul. I'm the new Sprinter. Ah, uh, Sprint Plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because... They have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to... Uh, going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow! 
pothole. Now lease one iPhone 8 and get a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance due. Exclusive tax subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply. I live there. Before I could finish my sentence and hit enter, she had typed the description of the woman that I had seen. I totally, <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Yeah. I, I was done. I didn't. I, did, I have no <laughs> desire to go back there at all. Listen, I burned so much sage. The house looked like it was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. But the nuts. Oh, my goodness. It, it, yes. It was something. Not a fuzzy experience. Not a warm and fuzzy one. No. No. <laughs> my goodness. So... Now, now, you said that you, you have a white wolf that's haunting the land that you're this on? This is I mean, what's so going cool. On? Do, have you ever moved to, you know, I know that you've probably lived in different places, but yeah. each time that you go, do you ha- kind of hope that there's no ghosts there? I bless it before I move in so they oh, well, leave sure me alone. Well, sure you do. Sure you do. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, you know, as I have moved into this home and everything, I'm thinking, this is a new home. I have no knowledge of the land. Nobody, never heard a thing. I've lived in this area for years and years, and so I'm safe. So Uh I move in, and I start having this paranormal activity. I'm going, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. Not again. (laughs) Oh, no. Not again. So it was so cool. One morning around uh, close to Thanksgiving, about five years ago, I walked outside and was going to, to check my mail. And as I walked outside, I saw a white wolf in the ditch in front of the house drinking water. No collar. There was no, it wasn't like a, you know, a dog or or someone's dog that had gotten loose or whatever. And, you know, not one of those situations. Um, And and it had, I, I just literally froze after I walked out and I I started to baby talk it a little bit because at first I thought, oh, how beautiful. Where did you come from? Oh, you're so pretty. And so I'm sitting here and this this animal keeps drinking and it will not take its eyes off of me. And I'm going, okay. Well, all of a sudden, it's that feeling that washes over you to where you're totally freeze and you realize that you're in trouble. Right. And I'm standing there staring at it, and and I realize what I'm staring at. And I start to back up the sidewalk going into my front door and would not turn my back on it (laughs) because I thought, oh, my God, you know, if it is real, I'm going to be, I mean, it could attack me. So I get inside, and I run to the computer real quickly, and I type in on Google, um, White Wolf, to pull this up. There it was. I run back to the door because I'm thinking, that's a freaking white wolf. But where would that be coming from? Go back outside. It's disappeared. It is nowhere to be seen within seconds. Hmm. And so fast forward about three weeks to a month later. I'm talking to some local historians, and they tell me about the story of the Chickasaw Indians and Right here on the land that I live on, this was a Native American village, not once, but twice in the 1640s and then in the 1740s, 50s. And um, they were led to North Mississippi, supposedly from 
of the West traveled across and they were there's this whole story. You can find this stuff. It's written in their books. It's just absolutely crazy. They were led by a white dog. Come on now. A white dog. Now, my neighbors are going, how does this happen to me? What is it about me that wherever I move, I'm going to have crazy stuff happen? So then, (laughs) and nobody will believe you. You know, like I said, be careful who you share your crazy with. It's it's just, you know, I, I know those moments, those epiphanies of when things come together and you're like, there is no way on God's green earth anybody's going to believe this happened. Nobody. <laughs> so I go down to my neighbor's house, who is, they have a small horse ranch, horse farm, that is just down uh, the street from where I am. And it is, um, she, she, they have a lot of land and stuff, and they're all into the Native American history. And I am, too. I've, I've studied it all my life. And so... I go down there and I start telling Rochelle, I said, I have got to talk to you. I have seen something and I don't know. And she she just, her face just, you know, she just goes pale white. And she says, well, do you not know about the story? And I said, well, you know, I think that I've heard this story. She said, but that's, there's other people that have seen that dog. And she said, so-and-so-and-so-and-so had seen that dog and they had seen it about four years before I saw it on her property. So just really, really cool. And then, of course, when I talked to his story, then I actually got a chance to talk to some of the Chickasaw leaders um, who were visiting here from Oklahoma. North Mississippi was their was their home. It was their headquarters, their, you know, their nation. And um, anyway, when I've told them this story, they just smile and they just nod their head and they said, oh, yes, that's a wonderful sign. And, you know, so I, I, I actually went to looking up this sign and doing a little research into it and its significance. And it's basically its message was um, you are right where you're supposed to be for now in your life. And uh, it's it's a. It's a wonderful omen of protection and guidance, and it, it was just a great feeling. And, you know, oh. and the neighbor that lives behind me, actually, when they were doing some excavation, building a lake, they unearthed uh, skeletal remains. So we know that they had their huts positioned. Unbelievable. Oh, I know. I mean, my house could be on top of where somebody's hut was, for God's sakes. You know what something uh, someone told me? I had a ghost hunter on here once, and I was talking about getting rid of ghosts. And the guy said something interesting to me. He's like, Heidi, people have died everywhere. Every place has a ghost. You can't. What are you going to do, just shove them over to the next lot? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I want to get rid of them. It's like it's live in peace. You know, it's like I don't think they're paying the rents. I don't want them here. Uh, people are asking if your books are on Kindle in the chat room. Uh, they're available they, in all they formats. Are. They, okay. they are available in all formats. Is there a That's new correct. book coming out soon? What's your next project? They're well, also the, the, what, what, I'm, what I'm working on right now is Volume 3 of the Haunted series. Um, and like I said, we, we were at a Haunted B&B a week ago. Um, abs, absolutely exceeded all expectations. That was the best time. For ghost hunting. Um, <laughs> I have officially ordered a new cap to wear for any time I'm not ghost hunting. And that cap says I would rather be ghost hunting. Oh, that's <laughs> you're ridiculous. I love it. 
My kind of people. You know, I have been so, like, I was raised in a haunted house. I am just so, like, I have seen enough of them. Enough comes looking for me. I don't go looking for them generally. So it's like, bravo to the, to you that you're you're fine with going out looking for them. I, I'm, I find it fascinating, but, you know, they are always going to rear their heads that, my way, and I just do. don't want to look at them. Ugh. Well, you have, to, you have to pick your ghost the way you pick your friends. I guess so. So. You cannot, you know, when you go into places, but I will tell you, Heidi, seriously, Mm -hmm. you know, when I go to places nowadays, the type of research that I do is not where I am, like Zach Baggins with a ghost adventure. You know, I'm not doing. You're not saying, come get me. (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm not conjuring up spirits or doing anything like that. I'm not playing with Ouija boards. I have a book out uh, called The Devil's Board that that I published. uh, Yeah, that that was a true story about a Ouija board happening that happened last. uh, Well, it happened in 1987, but it was released last fall. I, I don't do any of that type of stuff. A lot of what I do now is interviews. Um, real simple assessments of the area. I'm looking for the history of the area because a lot of times when you when you find out the history of a location, your mystery solved. I mean, I'm going and, and into, you probably want to move if it's your house. <laughs> really, you know, I'm I'm there to find out why it's haunted, not necessarily if it's haunted because. Depending on, I mean, yes, there could be, uh, you know, you always want to enter something. It's healthy to be a skeptic because not every place is haunted. Right. But at the same time, you and I both have been doing this for a long, long time. We're not those people that needs that validation. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to be convinced. I feel that that way, too. It's like I'm not here. Who am I to question if what you have observed to be real for yourself I'm not that person to go and say and poo-poo you. I, I don't like when shows do that. You know, it, it's about taking a person's word for what it is they experience and seeing, okay, you know, is, it, is there a means or a reason for this going on? So I get what you mean. Exactly. And, and I try to, you know, the only thing is when I have people who contact me and they want me to um, – you know, they've got something you can tell just from what they're saying that they, they want you. You're not going to be able to help. You're not going to be able to say, why don't you go to the light? You know, it's a great mm-hmm. life. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, what they're dealing with is shadow people that we've talked about, something very sinister. They're dealing with an entity that has never walked the face of the earth in a human form. And those are things that are way beyond my capabilities of dealing with and not something that I want to deal with. And so I normally try to point them, you know, have you contacted your local minister? You know, there's certain things that you can do uh, Mm -hmm. to cleanse the area and things. But I will tell you, I have dealt with a few people who were being choked at night. Yeah. And every time when I have counseled with some of those people, just within the realm that I can, not, not anything you know, psychological counsel or anything. Just just when I have talked to them and listened to their situation, there's always things that are going on in their life that are causing them to attract this type of energy. Oh, and these things I, seek them out, though, don't oh, they? they? Do. Oh, they do. And, and like a, a lady that, that I rem- talked to just a few months back, 
she it was horrible she was being choked in the bed at night she would wake up crying it was scaring her to death and i knew immediately i mean just within a few minutes of her telling me and i said so i asked her you know i just said uh, you're dealing with some things and and tell me about that and she did she told me about buying a new business and it was it was scary to her because they had sunk a lot of money into this and um that kind of thing and you know she wanted it to succeed and uh but anyway you know that's always that's a big step it's a huge investment and for her for her and her husband and um and i told her what to do and i told her to um that it feeds off of her fear and i told her to do some things to release some of that stress and some of her worry and fast forward about two months, she's doing fine. Saw her just about two weeks ago. No more bad dreams. No more choking. It's all mm-hmm. gone. That's awesome. That's but wonderful. I told her, I said, yeah, you know, it feeds off of that. You, you know, sometimes. Oh, you have I have to... thousands of emails. And these people are like, you know, I finally gave up. And I just succumbed like I was going to die. It was choking me to death. And the second they let go this thing stops choking them. And I'm like, it's feeding off from that yeah. fear that you're, you're yeah. pumping. Yeah. And, uh, but they and hate the name of Jesus. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> <These> things. <laughs> That's exactly right. And when they face the fear and they tell them, you, you have to stop. It's not okay for you. This is not your home. This is my home. Thank I'm, you. Yes. I'm Put your ethereal stove. foot down, I say. Yes. You <laughs> have to. You have to do that. You have to be brave. You have to take control of it. You have to decide that, you know. Yeah. And, it's time is time. That, that's <laughs> right. And once that once they do that, it's good. It's you know, good. I have got to tell you, we've come to the bottom of our show. And I have to thank you so much for coming on. L. Sydney Fisher. Check out her books. Magnificent looking books. And everybody's like, wow, they love you. I, all in the chat room, everybody's digging what you have to say. So I that's really right. want to thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Well, you guys, yeah, this is great. Well, you guys, remember, you can catch me here every Friday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here. And stay tuned for UFO headline news coming right up after this that I also host. Good night, everybody.